This is a podcast from the children's radio station Fun Kids. Listen on DAB Digital Radio across the UK or online at funkidslive.com. Hello, welcome to the Fun Kids Book Club podcast. Oh boy, are you in for an absolute treat today. My name is Bex, by the way, and I am going to be chatting to the author Anna Farga all about her brand new book, Let's go straight into it, shall we? So I'm joined down the line by Anna Farga, the author of The Umbrella Mouse and the brand new sequel, which our listeners may be very excited about, Umbrella Mouse to the Rescue. Hi, Anna. How are you doing? Hi, Bex. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, grand. Thank you so much. Now, uh, this is this is the second book in the series. Is that right in saying that? Yeah, the, the final one as well. So there's just going to be two stories for Pip. Um, so this is her kind of last hurrah. That's interesting because normally you either get an author who just does a standalone book or does about 10,000. So how, how come just the two? Yeah, we kind of, in the end, we just thought, funnily enough, because the first book, because it opens in the sort of the halfway through 1944, and because it's a French resistance story, ultimately the French resistance story during the Second World War really came to an end with the liberation of Paris at the end of August 1944. So I only really had... A month or so to play with really and we felt at the time that we thought it was stronger to really go out with a bang as opposed to sort of trying to kind of draw out the story for longer than perhaps it needed to I mean I loved the characters and I, I, I could have gone further I feel but I mean I think I, I think it's done the story more justice to keep it succinct that's a, an excellent answer. Now, tell us, for people who don't know, uh, your story is all about a young, young mouse. You've got Pip Hanway. Uh, can you tell it a little bit? Tell us about what uh, Pip is up to. Yeah, so Pip um, is still in France with the French resistance group Noah's Ark, who are based on real-life French resistance heroes. So it opens just a few weeks after the, the end of the first book, where there's quite a lot of tragedy. I don't want to give any spoilers, but um, the second book kind of opens with the fallout um, of those very climactic events um, and she has to try and get to Italy where her long lost family is um, so she still has to travel across water on Europe to get there and she needs Noah's Ark's help but to help Noah's Ark also reach the end of their journey she has to help them liberate Paris um, so it's this huge it's packed with historical detail because the liberation of Paris in real life was very uncertain, very tense time. It was an uprising by civilians. They needed military aid from the Allied armies, but they never, they were never quite sure whether they were going to get it. So it was, it's a really invigorating thing to learn about, and hopefully children enjoy reading about it through this very fictitious account <laughs> through animals' eyes. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so that's you also see Pip, but she also has to confront um, her fears, and she it's all about fighting for what she believes in and for the. And for those friends that she truly loves now, and um, it, 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 she does has to confront some quite. She goes through quite a lot, poor Pip, in this in this instalment, along with the others. So um, I hope everyone um, enjoys it. Now, asking a mouse to help to liberate Paris is quite a big deal indeed. Uh, why did you focus the stories on the animal point of view? Was there any reason? Um, to begin with. I mean, mostly the reason why it all became an animal story was really due to my um, historical research when it came to, you know, I wanted to write a French resistance story because they'd saved my grandfather um, and when he was a pilot in the RAF during the Second World War and a teenage girl led him over a minefield 
laying white handkerchiefs on the ground in the dead of night so that he wouldn't get hurt. I wanted to write my French resistance story and then while I was researching I found out about Noah's Ark which used animal code names and then all these incredible stories from Madame Fourcard, Mary Madeleine Fourcard, the real life Mary, Mary Madeleine Fourcard. She had this incredible experience and I really felt like it was such a good hook to get kids into the Second World War and the amazing people who deserve to be remembered and all these sacrifices. And these are just civilian people like you and me. Um, so that's where the animal bit kind of the hook was because all these animal code names, I suddenly had this kind of wealth of, um, you know, there was cat, dog, pigeon, mouse, hedgehog, all these amazing characters. And then I was reminded of Watership Down, which was my favorite book growing up. And the animals of Farthing Wood, Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim, all these like iconic anthropomorphic novels. It is such a lovely idea from a, for a book to look at something uh, which is pretty big, pretty massive, pretty sad a lot of the time uh, through different eyes and also the hopefulness, I think, of, like you say, uh, somebody who feels small or looks small being able to change a lot more than you realise as well. Is there any particular story that anything that Pip gets into that you loved writing about? I really enjoyed just looking like the borrowers. I just like, you remember when you first read The Borrowers and then you just were transported into being a miniature mm. person. Like that for me, I loved looking from Pip's point of view, just how massive everything would be. Because I remember that when you were, when I was a kid and then like little things. Now I go to like, well, it's like when you go back to your primary school and everything's tiny. But yes. your, but then your point of view when you were little, obviously things were huge, and then you obviously kind of have that thought on steroids, <laughs> writing from a mouse's point of view. But I, that was to me, you know, I loved, I loved putting myself in Pip's shoes and trying to remember what it was like to be little and um, imagine what it would be like to be sort of Arietti, <laughs> kind of with yes, a, trying of to find a kind of cotton reel or something. But I, yeah, I mean, that for me was amazing. But also I'd, I really loved the research. It really brought out my inner nerd. Um, and that's been such fun as well. And um, I feel really fortunate to, you know, enjoy it so much because it is time consuming. It has definitely, definitely taken up a huge portion of my life, but I'm so content <laughs> doing it. We have a little thing on Fun Kids I do with every first time guest. I give my little, uh, well, it's it's kind of grown a little bit more now. It's a quick fire round of questions. Can I just do them with you right now just to see yeah, what you like as an author? Yeah, great. Okay, cool. So first up, books or Kindles? Oh, books. Books. <laughs> Heroes or villains? Oh, I quite like a villain, actually. <laughs> don't be ashamed, don't be embarrassed. I know, I, I, yeah, they're good fun, they're good fun. And also it's quite fun to hate them, isn't it? Of course, yeah. A film adaptation or TV adaptation? Film. Uh, writing or reading? Oh, gosh. Um, can't make that decision. <laughs> it's <laughs> a tricky one. That's the yeah, it's a hard tricky. one. Reading, I guess. Okay. Easier, uh, <laughs> sometimes. Rip, <laughs> rip the dog or G.I. Joe the pigeon? Oh, rip, probably. Love rip. Okay. You, I mean, to be fair, you did uh, you did point out earlier how much you loved him, so I, I should have expected that. Hog, <laughs> Hogwarts or Narnia? Oh, Narnia. Laptop or write by hand? Oh, laptop. My hand hurts these days. It's weird writing for too long. It's bad, bad sign of the mod modern times. I know you're not used to, it, are you? Uh, bookshop visit or school tour? Which would you prefer? Maybe a school tour. I love the kids, meeting the kids, and having it. I do love having a chat and seeing them all. I think they're they're. It's really fun. That's a real perk of the job, actually, going and having a chat to kids. So, yeah, I would say school visit. Excellent. Uh, Paddington Bear or Winnie the Pooh? Oh, um, Winnie the Pooh, I'd say. Mostly, mostly. Oh, it's a hard one. Actually, I only re recently found out that um, Paddington Bear was inspired by child evacuees from the Second World War. 
Oh, really? Yeah, it's like he was in. He watched newsreels, obviously, when he was younger, and um, and seeing these little, you know, these kids with suitcases and luggage tags and stuff, and that was that was the inspiration behind him. So maybe that would have been more on point. Actually, I should I should, <laughs> I should have said Paddington Bear. I love them both, though. But probably Winnie Winnie the Pooh, I did have a real thing for when I was little, especially Eeyore. That's okay. Go with your gut instinct. Uh, and finally, the last one, salt and vinegar or cheese and onion? Oh, salt and vinegar, definitely. Yes, correct. That is the... I mean, honestly, you could say whatever you want for the other ones. It's just that one is my favourite. I prefer salt and vinegar. So, yeah, well done. Uh, lovely stuff, Anna. So we should say that your book is out right now. I know that bookshops are open, but also it's a bit tricky to get to them. So we can also get your book online, I imagine, as well. Yeah, of course. So you'll, you'll be able to get it. Waterstones have got a special edition that they're printing, which has got some some extra material inside. Um, and also, obviously, get a Hive, which will order... You can get all your books from independent bookshops through Hive. Um, and it's so important to, you know, support them as much as we can. Um, and, um, and yeah, so any, if you, I'm sure, you know, if you Google it, you'll find all the online retailers. Yeah, everybody should have a copy, hopefully. Uh, so this is Umbrella Mouse to the Rescue, second book in the series. Go and check it out. Uh, thank you so much to Anna. Thank you, Anna. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Bex. Bye. Lovely stuff from Anna. You can hear a little bit more after this. As you may well know, on the Fun Kids Book Club podcast, we get to find out some extra secret gossip that we don't play out on the radio show. And today, we're finding out about Anna's favourite childhood book. So, Anna, for the podcast, what we do is a little special secret extra bit of gossip. We find out about what was your favourite childhood book. And I believe, am I right in saying yours is Watership Down? Yeah, Watership Down's really up there. It was a hard question to answer, actually, which was my favourite childhood book, because I have so many, but I think Watership Down's the one that stayed with me the most, for sure. Now, I haven't read Watership Down. Mostly, I've seen the adaptations of it. I mostly know it's got a lot of rabbits. Uh, Can you tell us a bit more about it? (laughs) Okay, so Watership Down is about a group of rabbits who realise that they um, have to find a new home. Um, and so it's it's a real sort of quest tale, and it's it's a it's a real adventure of kind of courage and friendship and right and wrong and good against evil. It's a brilliant, brilliant book. I really recommend reading it. Even I mean, as a grown up, I mean, I I I still read it now and again, and I just am always blown away by how brilliant it is. I love it. Now I hope it's not too rude to say that. Do you think there is a link between writing about rabbits and then you've you've written about mice? Do you think there is something reading and writing there? You were like, I want, you know, you were inspired by animals from a young age. Oh yeah, definitely. I was I was one of those kids who would, I'd be kind of going around my parents' garden, like trying to kind of bring half dead birds back to life after the cat had got them. <laughs> so I've always been a massive animal lover, and um, and I also just love, especially in children's fiction, you, you the freedom that it lends to your imagination. So it's really fun to be able to kind of put your cells and the you know turn these animal characters into into heroes and adventure stories. Um, so yeah, I was definitely inspired by anthropomorphic fin- fiction uh, for the Umbrella Mouse and Watership Down for sure was an inspiration. So it was like the Rescuers, um, Mrs Frisbee and the Rats of Nim, um, Animals of Harding Wood. You'll see that they, you know if it, when you read the Umbrella Mouse, you'll probably get a bit of like, oh, that's a bit like that, <laughs> which I think happens subconsciously as well occasionally. I mean, I only realised as I knew you were going to ask me about Watership Down. There's a character in Watership Down called Blackover who I realise is his definitely only today have I realised, oh my God, that's actually such an influence to a character in the Umbrella Mouse called Hans. <laughs> so I think on a subliminal level, yeah, I don't, I don't think you're always conscious of it. 
But I think it's great because what you read when you're younger uh, does inspire and influence what you write about when you're older. I've definitely found that with a lot of authors, actually. A lot of the books they've told me about, it, it's, uh, it's interesting how you, you then say, well, it's so similar to what you're writing about now. Uh, and I think that's a great thing. It shows that when you're reading, you're taking on board stuff you love and uh, you get to make your own versions of it. Yeah, I would agree. I think it, it's, it's such an amazing thing just to have this kind of amazing muscle that you're exercising with your imagination when you're reading and I think and also because of how much it draws on your empathy and teaches you so much empathy I think that you know those I wardship down when I first read it I mean I was so gripped by it I was really like I remember my mum just being like just put that book down (laughs) and go to sleep but I was so invested in their journey and caring so much about whether or not they were going to make it um because and that's that you know that's why books are so incredible um and why it's such fun being an author now as well because you get to have that well Anna thank you so much um also I've got to say thank you for giving us a lovely list of uh, animal based books there because I don't think we've had an author who's done that for us yet so I know loads of our listeners will love to explore all of those books you've given us uh, a link to so thank you so much and uh, we'll hopefully chat to you really soon oh I'd love that thanks a lot Ah, lovely stuff from Anna. Thank you so much to her for popping by, fun kids. And I think that means we really do need to hear a little bit from her book, right? Madame Fourcard, Pip cried as she raced after her friend. Something's coming! Suddenly, cracking wood echoed in the forest and Noah's Ark whipped their heads towards the sound and cowered in alarm, spying a black shape tumble through the air and crash to the ground ferns below, just a short distance from where the animals were standing. What was that? A rabbit asked, thumping the ground with his hind leg. Everyone stay completely still, Madame Fourcard hushed, prickles bristling all over her body. Slowly take cover under whatever you can, she whispered, and do not huddle together in the warren. Spread out. All our work will be lost if everyone is captured. Thunder boomed as Noah's Ark scurried under the low ferns and thick brambles tangled across the forest floor. We'll investigate a squirrel said, scaling a nearby tree trunk with another squirrel chasing her from behind. Bounding across the lofty branches, they peered into the undergrowth with flicking tails. It looks like a crow, madame. Is it moving? whispered the hedgehog as loudly as she could. Pip stretched up on her tiptoes, but she saw only the forest swaying in the wind. We can't be sure, the other squirrel answered, jumping to another branch and peering from a different angle. It's covered by the undergrowth. Rabbits, come with me and Henri, Madame Fourcard's eyes blazed. Tread lightly and be careful not to be seen. Wait for me, Pip dashed to them. The three rabbits gazed at the hedgehog with their ears twitching warily upon their heads. Fine, Madame Fourcard sighed, knowing there was nothing she could do to stop her. Henri and I will be right behind you. A rabbit offered his front paw for Pip to climb, and she darted up his shoulder to sit at the back of his neck. Beside them, Henri the the stag... Oh, sorry, beside them, Henri the stag dipped his head to the ground and Madame Fourcard clumsily clambered up his nose and scaled the length of his face to stand between his ears. Go, Madame Fourcard whispered, towering above them from Henri's full height, and be ready to run as fast as you can. The rain arrived and thudded through the forest as the rabbits crept forward, brushing the undergrowth away with their noses and padding softly on their long, powerful legs. The fallen bird's stark black shape inched into view, lying lifelessly on its stomach with its head flopped on one wing, splayed out on a bed of battered ferns. Is it dead? Pip asked, staring at the blackbird's nearly closed eyes, gleaming with slivers of gold. Shh! Madame Fourcard hushed as the stag stepped quietly beside them. The three rabbits edged closer, 
their paws poised to race away. It's a little small for a crow, Henri whispered, nudging the bird with his nose. He grimaced as its acrid smell rushed up his nostrils. Whatever it is, the hedgehog said, gazing into the treetops, we can't stay in the open like this for much longer. It could be a trap. The animals looked into the forest with their hackles rising. The rest of Noah's Ark had vanished into the thick undergrowth, and Pip swallowed, wondering what else could be watching them from hiding places they did not know of. We can't just leave it here, Pip said, nerves jangling as she slid from the rabbit's back to the forest floor and approached the bird. It looked harmless, as though it were just sleeping with its, butt, with its beak open, and Pip's ears pricked, waiting to hear a snore. If it's in trouble, we should do something. It's dead, one of the rabbits said, prodding its limp wing with its paw. There's nothing we can do. Come, Madame Fourcade said. This soul is beyond our help. Wait, Pip said, staring at its thin, bony chest, willing for it to rise and fall. Its tattered feathers hung from its fragile body and her stomach clenched, catching its sour stench in her nose. As she stared at its eyes for a flicker of life, thunder clapped above the trees and the rain fell heavier through the forest. I'm sorry, she said, gently stroking the bird's listless head. I hope you didn't suffer too much. Don't touch it, Madame Fourcade snapped, quills dripping with water. It might be diseased. Pip snapped her paw away, a strange black dust clinging to her palm. A plump raindrop landed on the bird and trickled down its neck, exposing a trail of shimmering green and purple feathers. Let it rest in peace, the hedgehog said firmly. It could have been set to draw us away from our hideout. It's time to return to the warren now. It was then that the black bird's eyes snapped open, burning bright amber, and Pip and the others stumbled backwards in fright watching its haggard body heave. Well, that's it for the Fun Kids Book Club podcast today. Thank you so much for listening. Hopefully we will catch you soon. In the meantime, like, subscribe, tell all of your friends about this podcast, and of course, go and read a book. Bye! So that was a podcast from the children's radio station Fun Kids. Listen on DAB Digital Radio across the UK or online at funkidslive.com.